0: everyone. Welcome. This is Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital, Trinity Health of New England. Welcome to Medically Speaking. I hope everyone's doing well on this beautiful night, although I do believe we're going to get some chilly weather tomorrow. It's April. Anything can happen. Um, We wanted to um, continue our conversation with different programs that we're doing regionally, programs that we're doing locally, and how we're working with local physicians to help us grow those programs and expand our services. Tonight we're going to be talking about our foot and ankle program Um, and we're saying get your foot in our door and we have on the line with us two physicians that are podiatric surgeons, foot and ankle specialists and podiatrists. I've learned all the the terms that they have now joining us tonight and I'm going to introduce, I have them both on so I'm going to introduce both of them. First I'm going to start with Dr. Steven Lazaroff. Johnny can you can you put them both on at the same time, right? So Dr. Stephen Lazaroff. Um, Dr. Stephen Lazaroff has just been appointed our new section chief for podiatric medicine and surgery at St. Mary's Hospital. He is a native of North Haven, a graduate um, of the American University in Washington, D.C., earning a Bachelor of Science in Biology, um, and prior to earning his degree in um as a, in a degree of a doctor of podiatric medicine from Temple University of Podiatric Medicine. He completed a three-year residency at Yale University in Podiatric Medicine and Surgery Residency Program, and we are very excited to have him on the phone with us tonight, Dr. Steven Lazaroff. Hi, Doc.
1: Hi, Robin. How are
0: you? I'm really good. I'm also going to break away for a second and introduce Dr. Donnegan, so that way everybody knows who we're speaking with tonight. So also on the phone with us, Dr. Ryan Donnegan, who comes to us from Wisconsin. Actually, he was in Connecticut, moved to Wisconsin for a while, um, and has come back to Connecticut, and we're really excited. He is a board-certified foot and ankle surgery. He completed his residency also at Yale um, and has done a sports medicine fellowship in irvine california and so dr um Donigan, how are you
2: well we're friends just call me ryan
0: <laughs> you know that i have a hard time with that <laughs> both of you guys i both call you docs that that's as easy care. as i'll get is calling you docs I but
2: what steve says the purple drapes in the studio are amazing <laughs> All
0: right. So we um, we have worked really hard together to put this program together for a foot and ankle program. And I think, Dr. Lazaroff, since you and I connected first, um, you know, I was brought It was brought to my attention that we had this young foot and ankle surgeon that was just in practice, and I really needed to connect with him. And I think you were in practice maybe a year or two when I finally connected with you. And ever since then, I think we've soared many, many different heights.
1: I think you're correct. I think that uh, the Waterbury area in particular is uh, a fantastic area and uh, an underserved area for growth for foot and ankle. And uh, I'm happy as well as uh, Dr. Donigan to to fill that role and, and serve our community.
0: I think the really neat thing about the program we've put together. So, you know, we have four of you in this program that you've put together. You're um, you know, Dr. Lazaroff, Dr. Donigan, and then um, husband- wife team, um, Dr. Gwyn and Dr. Viola who are in, in the Oxford area, but also serving, servicing us here, putting together physicians that are part of different groups, but you're working collaboratively together to put this program together. Does that make it hard to put a program together and I'll let you know Dr. Lazaroff speak to that?
1: Uh, initially, it was because I didn't have the other three around until recently. Um, and before that, there was no other podiatrist that could do ankle in the area besides right. myself. So having this group is, has been awesome because now we have a, a core group of people that can really help take care of everyone. It's, it's too much volume and, to do for one person.
0: And, you know, I think when I look at your specialty, and Dr. Donegan, I'll let you chime in here. When I look at your specialty, your specialty is something a little bit more unique than when someone really thinks about a podiatrist before,
2: correct? Yeah. I would say the best way to describe it is certainly do traditional podiatry, the, um, Oh, diabetic uh, wounds and diabetic evaluations and uh, hammer toes and things like that. But we also can do what would be, originally would have been considered orthopedic based, um, but now the way the the training is and uh, you can add fellowships in and stuff is just comprehensive um, foot and ankle in general. So uh, surgical, non-surgical. And then, like I said, your traditional idea of podiatry, but also the same surgeon can right. do whatever would have been considered um, orthopedic care right. as well.
0: And, you know, I think I think that's here in Connecticut, especially because, you know, we're talking about the Connecticut market, but I think it's the same in Massachusetts, too, for my, my partners out at Mercy. We have to almost re-educate our physicians on how you practice and what you can do. And I know Dr. Donigan. you were in Wisconsin. How did you see it different out there?
2: I was in an orthopedic group in Wisconsin. Ah. So mm. there was um, the people that before me had set up the parity before. So it was already accepted that um, the foot and ankle patients were handled by the podiatry, but they didn't really get labeled podiatry. They just right. They they went there. for If they had foot and ankle issues, you go to the orthopedic group, and this is who takes care of it. So it was was more of a – there was no re-education needed. It was already a collaborative effort.
0: So I think here is definitely the focus with your team is educating not only the physicians but also our community to understand what they look for when they ask to be referred or even just making that referral themselves when they're having issues with their feet.
2: I would say the best way I think to describe it is um, when you're flying, in terms of who do you want to take care of your foot and ankle, Mm. if you're flying in a plane, you don't ask for the part-time pilot. (laughs) You want the person who specializes in flying, and that would be the the same way. Um, People certainly can dabble, but if you have somebody who is entire training from school through residency through any additional training, and every day in the office is dedicated to foot and ankle, that would be the person who would be able to provide you with the best, most efficient um, and thorough care. So
0: I want to talk a bit about the program, the foot and ankle program and the vision for that. So Dr. Lazaroff, I'm going to come to you on that because this was kind of your baby that you brought to me and then you started recruiting physicians that were coming to our area. So what was your vision for this?
1: So my vision is that ultimately when you think foot or ankle, you are going to just automatically think of podiatry, and we will be here to serve any and all needs, Um, whether it be trauma, uh, whether it's hospital-based or outpatient-based, reconstruction, um, wounds, not only just the actual wound treatment, but addressing the causes as to why this wound occurred and fixing the underlying cause as well so you can prevent recurrence. Um, one of the big problems with diabetics is yeah, a lot of people can heal a wound, but how do you stop it from coming back and how do you prevent the future amputation? And all the guys that I'm working with, uh, men and women, uh, Mm -hmm. are, are trained in not only just the actual, uh, problem, but how do you stop it? You know, uh, preventing amputation is one of the biggest challenges of diabetes and i think podiatry has a unique perspective on not only just the wound itself but the biomechanics as to why this thing occurred to begin with
0: so one of the big oh i'm sorry go ahead
1: so the the goal is to really give everybody the best chance of Mm -hmm. of having the best outcome for their lower extremity and ultimately what this is hopefully going to filter into is getting collaborative with um, the other physicians, infectious disease, endocrinology, and, and our vascular surgeons. So, not, not only are we uh, fixing the deformity and, and treating the wound, but we're making sure that the leg has appropriate blood flow to survive, and and that's really where we're going to need the vascular surgeons to come and, and help us out.
0: So we, and so that may let's branch off into Robert, that. If could, yeah, go ahead, Doctor Donigan. Go, go ahead, quick, because
2: yeah. diabetic is important, but that's certainly not the only thing. Now that everybody is rumbling after being locked in their house for a year, <laughs> and starting to uh, starting to come out, high school sports are going to start again. People are going to get outside, and they're probably going to try to pick up where they remember themselves leaving off, which is gonna to lead to a lot of sports medicine type injuries and stuff. Right. I would um, certainly can go to the ED or the urgent care, but you don't necessarily want to do that. Again, if you're still concerned, or um, that always is isn't always the most convenient, you can sort of bypass that step, and uh, we can get you in to see us the same day or the next day even uh, many times, and uh, that is lower extremity injuries is pretty common, but um, certainly another avenue um, to provide the whole the whole water, greater Waterbury area and surrounding areas um, for treatment there too, especially because that's going to start. Uh, the volume of that's going to increase. And oh
0: yeah, definitely.
2: You don't want to, a lot of those things you want them treated earlier than later. Right. So that you you don't have chronic issues.
0: So I definitely want to go to that down the road of both of what you just brought off. De- definitely the diabetic limb salvage piece, which we're working on a program for, which I think we really should talk about and what we're going to be doing and, and hopefully moving forward our, as part of our foot and ankle program. And then also, Um, how patients actually get to you. So ensuring that patients understand and give the patients an idea of what some of those things are you see in the especially the weekend warriors as we like to call them because we know that's what happens. So why don't we start with the diabetic limb salvage piece Dr. Lazaroff and then Dr. Donegan I want to talk to you about the um, maybe a bit about our urgent cares and how you guys Mm -hmm. are doing call coverage there as well as for trauma. So, So Dr. Lazaroff let's talk about the Diabetic limb salvage. Since you started down that road, we know that patients definitely recur with with wounds, whether they're pressure sores from poor fitting shoes, and our diabetics with poor foot care. I mean, there's a lot of various reasons: cuts um, that happen in the foot that get infected, that they don't feel due to neuropathy, and many things like that. So you you see a variety of those types of wounds, and sometimes. They present themselves, unfortunately, in our urgent cares and also our emergency rooms because they've gone too far. Or more, they'll go to the physician. But you know, in the world of telemedicine and and also just in the world of patients just not taking their shoes and socks off when they go to the doctor, some stuff is going unnoticed. Correct.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So by the time you see them, it's scary. Go ahead. Yeah, The quicker you, the quicker you find it. Right. The greater, greater your chance of, of prevention of, of loss of of limb or or even toe. Absolutely. Uh, simple wounds can turn complicated quickly, especially in, in compromised patients.
2: So when I like you to say, go uh, ahead, I'd like Ryan. to say on a quick note, Robin. Yeah. It's easy to treat a small issue. Mm. It's hard to treat a big issue, and it's much easier to treat somebody in the office as opposed to meeting them the first time right before they're going to surgery. So um, people stay out of trouble if they are proactive and just aware of things. So as soon as something comes up, even if it seems silly and small, it gets looked at right away. It's the people who, for whatever reason, are, are slow in in being aware or slow in seeking treatment. That um, you end up seeing walking around with one leg. So
0: right, absolutely, and I and one of the key pieces to
2: or not walking around
0: right. <laughs> one of the key pieces to this too, and it's not just for the diabetic limb program, but it is an important piece to discuss. Is that you, Doctor Lazaroff, created a call schedule now with this whole team. So we have on-call coverage for p- podiatric services and foot and ankle surgery at the hospital.
1: Correct, so we have a, uh, a formal call schedule now. So anything related to foot or ankle that uh, requires treatment, uh, there is a, a call schedule available. It's listed uh, with the other surgical call schedules and it's a 24-7 uh, availability. Um, and it encompasses everything, you know, from small fractures to open fractures to uh, infections and gas gangrene and all of that. Right. So if, we're, we're fully available.
2: This, you know, we I look, think the important part. Go ahead, I Doc. The important part on that is um, if you end up unfortunately needing um, some kind of emergency care, you're not going to just be thrown into sort of. Who's ever available at the time, and it might not be their their specialty. So to speak, right. one of the four of us, and this is our specialty, will be there, and it will always be one of the four of us. So you'll you'll have a a consistent um, provider who again specializes in and not just sort of covering um, for the time being.
0: And you know it's re-educating of our staff too as as you guys have told me as we've been educating them about the on-call schedule and, and when to call you. For that inpatient population and when you're looking at the diabetic piece, for that inpatient population there has to be wounds out there. Right? <laughs>
2: Correct.
0: How many times well, you say that to me Dr. Donaghan?
2: I, I, I have made the comment that somehow Waterbury has cured all diabetic wounds um, <laughs> during the, the COVID pandemic and I was just complimentary and impressed, but I, I say that in jest because I know that's not true.
0: Right, right, and it's so important, and, you know, I I say to the general population out there, be your also your family's advocate, you know, if you see a wound or see your wound, say something, so ensure that your family member is getting that proper care, and we have that coverage so that, you know, those wounds can be treated before a patient is discharged and then follow-up care done. Correct. Correct. And there's, there there are times when you need to sometimes bring a wound to surgery, correct?
2: Absolutely. The, lo- the longer the uh, wound is there, the greater the chance that happens.
0: Right. When you work with that, now we're talking, Doc, about creating, Dr. Lazaroff, about creating this um, limb salvage program. And I know you were involved with one at Yale. Can you speak to how that works?
1: So it was a collaborative effort between... Uh, podiatry and uh, vascular surgery and interventional cardiology. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would see people at the same time in a clinic setting. Um, and a patient with a wound could get every aspect of this wound addressed in one shot, as opposed to having to go see your primary, get a referral, go to the podiatrist, then decide they need a vascular eval, then go to the vascular surgeon then collaborative surgery. It didn't work like that there. Mm. Where in a clinic setting where you're both seeing a patient at the same time, you can address multiple issues at one uh, at one time and coordinate how do you best do this. And and made a big difference in uh, the ability to, to save limbs.
2: Right. And All the research shows that a comprehensive collaborative Team approach is really the only way to successfully treat um, patients with either critical limb ischemia, meaning they have uh, poor blood flow and can't heal whatever wounds they have, or diabetics with infections and and um, underlying wounds and stuff. So that's that's really the key. The, the yeah. faster you're piped into the team, right? Um, then there's no delay.
0: And what I what I absolutely love about the is the energy surrounding this and your dedication. To meeting the needs of individuals in the greater Waterbury area, because this type of care—my inspiration. But (laughs) this type of care, you don't. People can't. You can't. You can't see this. You don't see this all the time. And having younger physicians like yourself coming into this market and wanting to collaborate to provide this type of care and high quality. I would say state-of-the-art care for our patients is incredible, and we are so excited to be part of it. And I know that we're collaborating to make this happen at one of our locations to provide this one-stop care, and definitely more to come on that. But I want to make people make sure people are aware this is just one piece of the program. Correct. So, you know, one of another piece that we started talking about is your call coverage, of course, for the ED, but also our urgent care centers. and treating those patients that are the weekend warriors, like you said, they could definitely come directly to you, and I will be giving out all of your information at the end of the program so people know how to get a hold of you, but also for individuals that are weekend warriors and having those injuries on the weekend. And I know, Dr. Lazaroff, you mentioned to me you got four from the urgent care recently.
1: Yes, which means we're starting to gain traction, and other physicians are aware that that this this uh, call schedule exists and that we're here to help.
0: What would you say are some of the more common things? And I'll let both of you speak to this um, um, one at a time. But Dr. Lazaroff, what are some of the most common things that you see um, in your office or that would come through from an urgent care setting?
1: Uh, a lot of metatarsal fractures, um, Achilles tears, um, ankle fractures on occasion, um ankle sprains, uh, even just contusions from, from trauma from sports. It doesn't always have to be some kind of catastrophe, um, right. but it, it is all-encompassing, really.
0: What do you, you know, when a patient, what would you say to a patient that is having that foot and ankle pain where they definitely need to seek out care? If they're, say they're participating in support and they think it's just a sprained ankle right, on the weekend, mm-hmm. how long would you give a typical sprained mm-hmm. ankle before they seek attention?
2: The sort of I usually treat I them is pretty quickly, the most... yeah. Go that, ahead.
0: Well, that, go ahead, Ryan. Like, I know you want to jump in.
2: <laughs> well, me, so I'm doing such a good job. I, I, um, <laughs> we usually do good cop, bad cop. Uh, <laughs> which, which no, doctor, do. Doc, go ahead. But, um, uh, the sprained ankles, I think, are unfortunately most of the time poo-pooed as, oh, it's a sprained ankle, right. played off roll and that's actually not the truth, because if they're not treated right initially, you're going to have sprain after sprain after sprain, because uh, if it's not treated right initially, it's going to sort of heal stretched out, and you're gonna, the, the number one predictor of a sprained ankle is having a previous sprained ankle, so mm-hmm. those sort of ankle fractures are the same way, although those are a little more obvious, but these are things that are common that unfortunately have gotten the rep of of it's just this simple thing put it back together or just ice it and work through it and unfortunately that is what leads to all the arthritis down Mm -hmm. the road and severe disability down the road so having initial correct treatment on that I think is more important than anything else so if it's anything more significant than um, it feels better in the morning. Right. Probably a good idea to have it checked out.
0: You know, I'll tell you, watching the recent you know, games for the um, Ma- March Madness, there was one player, and I can't remember what team he was on. I don't think it was a UConn because they weren't in it that long. Um, one player rolled his ankle twice. One in one game and then like the next game. And wow, it looked like he broke his ankle. And I, Mm -hmm. they got him back out like in the next period. I'm like, how the heck?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's he's going to be paying for that either later in the week or uh, down the road.
0: Yeah, and there goes his chances for the draft is what I say. (laughs) Yes,
2: yes, yes. So So, those those are the things that can't be um, all too often are just sort of brushed over because oh, simple this, and it gets better with people always hear rice. But um, I I think they deserve a little bit more respect because uh, there's usually a little bit more or a lot bit more going on that uh, definitely benefits from more urgent, not urgent, but more early uh, intervention. Right.
0: What would you call that? Like, what what's the best treatment? So, you know, if you roll your ankle and it's not good in 24 hours, you definitely seek an x-ray and make sure you're okay. But what is the best initial treatment?
2: Usually, it's um, what depends on how loose it is, so to speak. If if it is, it depends on um, swelling and how everything else is. If it's pretty significant, then um, stopping your activities and either bracing or immobilizing it for a week or two, having it reevaluated, and then I'm pretty liberal with my use of physical therapy because, again, like I was speaking to, having it heal in the most optimized way, having it remain as, quote, tight as possible is definitely better than having it loose. So getting, there's specific ways and rehabilitation protocols that uh, will get you the maximum benefit out of it to minimize the issues down the road.
0: So since I'm on the since I'm on the basketball court, I guess I'll I'll go to another common injury that I think about a lot and Dr. Lazaroff, I'm going to go to you on this one. We hear a lot about the Achilles. You know, especially mm-hmm. for the pounding on hard surfaces. Do you see, do you see a lot of that and what do you do to treat the Achilles mm-hmm. tendon? Either it be tendinitis or or when is it, you know, or a tear, you know, what what is the treatment and what usually causes it? And I think it's that pounding on the pavement.
1: So well, a lot of the Achilles injuries are overuse, but it's oftentimes overuse in a uh, either acquired uh, short or tight Achilles uh, or a congenital one, where you're you're putting in a severe amount of tension through the uh, tendon, and Achilles tend to have a poorer blood flow. In an area called the watershed area, which is a couple centimeters above where it attaches to the uh, calcaneus, the heel bone. Yep. And if you intervene on those early, uh, you can prevent some of the sequelae and the tendinosis, the chronic swelling and the thickening of the tendon, which is a precursor to rupture.
0: Wow. So that could. So if you add, don't treat an, it, an, you ruptures.
2: Potentially, you can. I would, I would a add too, that um, a big contributing factor, which uh, a large portion of the population has, is actually a flat foot. Mm. And you might not think, oh, my flat foot is adding to my um, my ankle pain or my uh, Achilles pain, but it certainly does. And the frustrating part, I guess, would be is if you address the flat foot early on, and a lot of times it's something as simple as a pair of um, arch supports in your shoes, mm. you could prevent a lot of that uh, degeneration. Um, and uh, all of the much more complicated interventions uh, down the road again
0: so if it tears and you do this, you have to do surgical intervention what how long is the recovery period for that and is it a huge surgery
1: so the the technological advances i think for achilles tears Uh, surgically are are profound there used to be very long incisions and you would be essentially putting suture in in both sides of the tear and and retying them together if it was able to reattach but now um, there's ways you can do it with minimally invasive techniques Um, the incision is no longer six seven eight centimeters long most incisions for my achilles ruptures are two centimeters wide, and it's within the skin line now. Wow. You can hardly even tell that there's a a scar after they heal.
0: And what's the recovery?
1: So I typically do somewhere around a month before they start walking again, and then I get them into physical therapy as soon as possible.
0: And And so walking is non-weight-bearing, right? Non-weight-bearing, or do they wear a boot?
1: They do. I typically do the first 10 days while the, the sutures are in, yep. uh, in, a, in a splint that is angled down a little bit to take tension off the Achilles. Mm-hmm. And then after the stitches come out, I put them in a boot that they don't walk in for two weeks. And then I get them into physical therapy around the month mark.
0: Wow. It's still a lot though. It's still a lot. It's a commitment.
1: It is definitely a commitment, but the success rates are higher. Mm-hmm. The um, regained strength is near 100% for most of these, again, as wow. opposed to the older techniques, which may or may not have gotten to 100%. Wow. Um, it, it, it's not weird for somebody to be able to stand up on their toes, one leg, after an Achilles rupture with the newer techniques. And
2: what? the research actually ahead, points Dad. to the, the, the research shows, which uh, kind of leading to what you were asking about, how the long, the sooner that you are... Um, putting stresses through there again and getting active, the better it actually does. So in a way, that's that's a positive because it makes the recovery shorter and um, less uh, less invasive and um, intrusive for a patient's life so they can actually get back to um, normal sooner because it actually is, works to their benefit. So that's the nice part about um, kind of the direction that Achilles repairs are going.
1: How yeah, do you and the, and the way the way we're doing it, I think uh, Dr. Donigan's doing it the yep. same way. Yep. Is uh, the same way Kobe Bryant had his Achilles repaired. Oh. And so it, this is this is high level stuff.
0: So we are giving the best of the best of the sports medicine right here in Greater Waterbury. You don't have to be right. some, you know, a big athlete, right? We could just do Probably our weekend not. warriors the same surgery.
2: Everybody gets that. That's my philosophy is everybody gets the same care. Whatever needs to be done, that's what you do. You, 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 you treat the pathology and you treat what the patient's goals are. I think if with anything, it's good to establish what's, what the goals are so that you can then um, kind of tailor uh, the treatment towards that because not everybody has the same goals. Not everybody has the same activity level. So um, it's not one-stop shop or, or one-size-fits-all. fits all. Um so that will change the the treatment around too, but that that's that's the benefit is you don't just read a cookbook. You when you have a specialist, you you can get it tailored to to what you want to accomplish, and therefore you have a better chance of getting to that actual endpoint.
0: So how do you diagnose the the Achilles? I mean, is it sharp pain that starts in the heel goes up the leg? How do you differentiate that between you know like heel spurs or like a plantar fasciitis?
1: So uh, if you have a full Achilles tear, right. um, they're going to have weakness with being able to point their ankle down. Um, they're going to have a, a little gap in the back where you can touch the Achilles. And then there's a, and also, a, a, it's called a Thompson test, where you'll squeeze the calf and the calf muscle and the foot will not plantar flex or, or point down versus the other side that will. And then ultimately you get an MRI for pre-op planning, and if the gap is not enormous, then you do the procedure I just talked about. And if the gap is very large, then you can always add adjunct procedures to enhance uh, your healing. So, you
0: know, I talk about the heel pain and the heel spurs because I think those are definitely very common, and I'm sure both of you see them. And Dr. Donegan, I'll go to you on the heel pain and the heel spurs, do you see a lot of those in your practice? And what is the common treatment for those? How do we help those
2: patients? Yeah, that's probably one of the more common things you come in with heel pain, to be honest. It's probably every third patient. Right. Um, And you sort of have to tease out because there's, there's not that many structures back there but nonetheless it's um there's a lot of overlap so teasing it out to make sure that you get the treat the right thing so that you're not prolonging the treatment um and the patient suffering longer than you have to but uh there's kind of two general areas one is bottom of the heel and the other is the back of the heel um bottom of the heel is that more common you'd wake up in the morning and first steps it hurts like crazy you're, you're what i call wall walking yeah. you got to hold on to stuff to get around um That would be more of the the plantar fasciitis, or or what people hear as um, I've got heel spurs. That's kind of the the general term for that. Um, And that, uh, luckily, is pretty successfully treated with um, conservative options. Um, Again, arch supports and some physical therapy, they got different modalities. Um, to help expedite that and uh, and basically changing, controlling kind of the motions of the foot so you're not putting abnormal stresses through through the ligament. And the back, uh, when you were asking, well, how do you differentiate between, there's Achilles tears, well, that's, you, you have a real sharp snap back there and you're not really walking normally, so that one's pretty straightforward. The other part that's more insidious is well, people who, um, sort of high mileage runners or uh, very active and they have this slow onset of pain that comes um, with activity, gets better without activity. You may see some swelling back there. There may be what feels like a, um, a nodule and stuff. That is the Achilles tendinopathy because again, you don't know how long it's been so they use a more general term. Um, that again has a lot to do with the abnormal stresses that are repetitively going through your Achilles tendon when you think about it uh, how many steps you take every day so if you are quote, walking funny or walking and not optimized every step is going to put that that stress through there and that's how you end up with those it's always a, a chronic issue that finally presents itself unless you fell down the stairs or something it usually isn't a chronic issue right. that presents itself um and then the the last common thing back there is you got a big bump on the back of your heel that hurts on all your shoes. That usually is a spurt, but not the typical typical kind that's on the bottom. That's on the back where the uh, tendon attaches to. Um, And that um, is another one that can be quite debilitating because it's hard to uh, especially in the colder climates wear shoes that don't have any backs to them that if they definitely don't have snow boots that don't have backs to them so that is um, is another one that uh, certainly can cause trouble for people on everyday activities um, and doesn't really go better get better on its own. you know you both of you
0: really amaze me at your vast wealth of knowledge and how much you bring to the profession and I I can't help but, mentioned this piece when Dr. Donigan, when I brought you around when you first were going out to meet my doctors, you met one of my rheumatologists and she just kind of threw a case at you. She was kind of, um, you know, tied up in and she couldn't get the right diagnosis. She had sent the patient to a few different um, physicians and right away you knew exactly what it was.
2: And that blew well, me away, just saying, like just like I was, tonight. I was saying <laughs> Do you want? Do you want the person who just started taking pilot <laughs> yeah, lessons? Yeah, that's right. Lessons, or do you want somebody who has been uh, flying for a long time? Absolutely. Still? Your, your
0: wealth of knowledge, and I think, you know, that's one of the most in, um, important pieces to what we're doing tonight and what we're doing moving forward with the foot and ankle program is bring this level of quality and professionalism um, to our patients right here in Waterbury. Um, back to some of the pieces that I wanted to talk about tonight, just to get, we're trying to give everybody kind of a flavor of all the different pieces that you guys do within your practices. I mentioned earlier neuropathy, and I know there's a lot of that. Uh, of course, with diabetic patients. But Dr. Lazaroff, can you talk a little bit? Do you see patients in your office that complain about numbness or tingling in their feet and and what you need to do to get to the root cause?
1: Every day. yeah, and it's not it's not always the diabetic patients mm-hmm. that have uncontrolled blood sugar. Um, I see way more people than I expected uh, that have some kind of low back issue, a herniation of some sort. Where they've got a a radiculopathy, where a sciatic nerve um, is pinched, and it's actually causing neuropathy down the entire or a large portion of their leg, and they these people get uh, not only the numbness and tingling, but they will lose motor function in certain aspects of their leg, and that will cause uh, the foot and ankle to to deform. Wow! I've actually treated several people that have had their foot. Uh, pointing at like a thirty degree angle from their ankle because of an acquired uh, neuropathy from a back issue wow. um, and and these poor people that have done nothing wrong they've you know they've took care of their health their entire right. life right. and then all of a sudden their foot is angled thirty degrees and people are telling them you got to amputate your leg guy.
2: It's terrible. If I could add an anecdote but
1: onto that. We put that guy um, back together.
0: There and how? All right. So, Dr. John, again, one second. How do you? How do you do that?
1: So that's another part where we need collaboration. Uh, I send a lot of people for nerve conduction studies. Yeah. And and make sure it's not a a generalized um, diabetic neuropathy. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. If it's a radiculopathy and something that you can really pinpoint. There's oftentimes things that that can be done to reverse some of that damage.
0: Wow. Doctor Donigan, you wanted to interject.
2: Just to do, well, I just want to add add to that in terms of what you talk about deformities. It certainly is not always diabetes related. I mean it could be circulation, it could be low back, but it also could be impingement and tumor. Mm-hmm. I had a patient in um, Wisconsin, she was a thirty year old woman who um, had a less than a one-year-old baby, and for a few years, her toes were changing position. She was having these nerve pains. People were telling her it was just arthritis. turned out she had a high-grade synovial sarcoma, which is life-threatening. Um, we got her to the Mayo Clinic right away, but people, it, it, they deserve a thorough workup because, again, uh, luckily she didn't have any metastasis. But uh, it, it's not always—it's it, not—it's not always a duck. 'll we'll say that sometimes right. it is a zebra, so right. hence the reason again it needs to be um worked up by people who have a thorough understanding of all the possibilities and who've, I think where that comes in is you can't learn everything um from the book, you need to have experience, so the more people you see, the more cases you see you start collecting a toolbox of uh examples in the back of your mind just so that you can refer back to those when um when strange things come up, if you haven't seen it, you're not going to know it's there. It's right. kind of a good saying on that.
0: You know, and, and you know, when we talk about the neuropathy, too, I, the audience that listens to me knows this. I'm not sure. I think both of you may or may not know this, but um, 15 years ago, no, yeah, 15 years ago, my husband had a stroke, a really bad one, um, from AFib right after he got out of the gym. and. Hey. Yeah, and he um, was paralyzed on his right side. And, you know, he's fortunate because he he was young and he was healthy, but he still only has 60% of his right leg. And one of the things that he really can't feel well is his right foot. And he utilizes a stem that helps flex his foot so he can ambulate better um and you know he drives and plays golf and does all those things he's amazing but he cannot feel that foot and so and i do have a brace on that foot in his shoe to support the ankle also for the stip with his stem but one of the things I constantly check for and I make him do it is pressure sores because he can't feel them and you know even an ingrown toenail he doesn't always know he feels a sensation but he doesn't know where it's coming from so you know I like to throw that in there to the audience that if you have a family member that's had a stroke or you know has no sensation that you've got to be diligent about what you're looking for in that foot.
2: That's the most important lesson is you just have to you have to take a look at your feet every day, yeah. Especially people who are at high risk because um, just countless people uh, walk around with something sharp in their shoe. Oh yeah. For a week, and they so how I had no idea. Oh yeah. But so the the, the takeaway lesson for everybody I see that has uh, numbness or, or nerve issues is. You just have to look every day. It's just a quick peek, but you have to look every day because that's the only way you're going to keep yourself out of trouble.
0: Oh, definitely. I make him crazy. Poor my poor husband.
2: (laughs) And and I always tell those patients
1: that have neuropathy, make sure you actually check your shoe before you put it on Yeah. because some people put things in their shoes Mm. uh, and they don't realize it. I had a patient who played an entire round of golf with a golf ball in his (laughs) golf cleats and he didn't know about it. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. He didn't know about it until he took his cleats off and his foot was bleeding. Oh,
0: because he had neuropathy. Yeah. And he didn't feel it. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't know if yeah. Rich would be that. I don't know if Rich would be that bad, but <laughs> you never know. He did play golf this weekend. I didn't check his cleats. I should have. Yeah, checked. make
2: sure he checks his cleats.
0: <laughs> I definitely should have checked them. But, yeah, I just, you know, as a nurse, I'm really fussy about that. You know, we always did. You know, we checked our patients and back then patients, and I'm going to date myself, but back then when we did orthopedics and we had patients in traction for a long time and they would get those, you know, they would get sores. They would things they couldn't feel because their legs were in traction. Yeah. And they'd get those pressure sores. So, you know, believe it or not, we've only got about 12 minutes left. So I want to make sure that we also address some of the, other parts of your specialty and you guys do do a lot of foot and ankle surgery so I don't know which one of you wants to take the lead on some of the surgeries you see and some of the things you can do who's jumping you start, <laughs> go ahead Dr. Yeah. Laz let him start <laughs> well so, um, uh,
1: I still do I still do uh, the regular bunions hammer toes um, if I could make a quick but, comment I, I, on that,
0: so you knew he it, was going to do that.
2: I know,
1: I know. he was I dying like to get in <laughs> like
2: there. He steers the ship, and I, I'm just—I, I, I'm, I'm like the Gilligan. I think. <laughs> but, um, that what, like I was saying about um, uh, ankle ankle fractures, ankle sprains. The same thing applies. Is unfortunately there's a there's a lot of bad foot and ankle surgery, mm-hmm. and especially foot surgery, and people have a bad taste in their mouth. It's kind of like how dentistry used to be. People avoided it at all costs because it was horrendous. Um, there, there's, a, there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things, um, and a lot of times it's subtle and it doesn't come out till later, but um, even things that would be, quote, oh, a simple bunion or a simple hammer toe, you certainly can make the patient worse than they started and they're going to tell everybody and they're going to, it's going to cripple them. Um, and the problem is the revision surgeries Mm. are significantly harder than doing it right the first time. So, uh, I don't think, I think it's important to know that, um, having a, a good outcome is really dependent on having, um, the procedures done correctly and having the right procedures chosen but for people who know people who had bad outcomes or uh, had surgery years ago themselves and how miserable it was that, that's really not how it should be and it really shouldn't be something that is is uh, terrible or or long and drawn out or anything else if you have the right person doing it it really should make things better and restore whatever portions of your life were um, affected that initially led you to want to get the treatment but I think respecting even even the simple things, respecting them to make sure that they are done right is what's important
1: Definitely, and a a bunion is not a bunion. A bunion has um, it's a complex multifactorial problem. It really comes down yeah, to when talking about it that way. Is
2: when you choose then, your
1: procedure.
0: Right, absolutely. You know, you know, hear about, it's funny, when we were in orthopedics, the bunions, and I'm going to go back to your your current partner, Dr. Dr. Uh, Donigan, um, Dr. Arena, because he was a big one with the bunions way back from when I went out. So we've known each other that long yep. he would come and do the bunions but the they would come out of surgery they have this huge wraps around them and he used to sew a flower on every one of his ace bandages that's how we knew <laughs> it was so
2: funny an arena bunion yeah
0: <laughs> arena bunion had a flower had a flower on it um but you know those surgeries like you said if they're not done right the patient suffers for a long period of time
2: yes
1: right? and, and the rate of recurrence they, is, is high if you don't pick the right procedure
2: right they're afraid. They're they, they, The problem is they're going to stay suffering because they had a, such a horrible experience the first time. They don't want to have it fixed. Right. They'd rather suffer than yeah. than have it fixed. So then I'm back to do you want a part-time pilot or do you want right. a, uh, uh, a fighter pilot? That's that's really what, you, what it comes down to.
0: So, Dr. Lazaroff, I think what I'll ask you is when do you know you need to get a bunion done? Because people live with them. People just, like, live with
2: them. Correct. You need and to get a I, I, Did I say
0: Donigan? Don I said Blazarov. Oh, Go no, back I to I your went corner. To I went we got to tunnel, we got to put the, the mute
2: button right on.
0: Right <laughs> on. <laughs> I love them. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when do you so, when do you know you should get it?
1: So, I typically have people do the bunion surgery if they can't do activities that what they were doing before. Right. If the arthritis is so bad that the joint doesn't move anymore. Mm. Um, if their pain threshold is, is out of control. Mm. Or uh, if they are starting to get wound formation because oh, of the, the bunion is so big it's pushing the other toes away.
0: For me, it would be if they look bad in sandals. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That, just saying, that's when it, that's definitely would be when I go at it earlier. All right, Dr. Donigan, I'll let you jump in, and then I'm going to let Dr. Lazaroff go. I got to put you guys in your corner. So, Dr. Donigan, what are some you know what are some of the other foot surgeries other than that that you see? I know we said hammer toes and stuff, but you guys Pardon, also his, see arthritis. F- arthritis. Yeah, arthritis. The
2: yeah, the feet take a pounding, and um, usually. Your feet, you shove them in your shoes, uh, you make sure there's no golf balls in there, but you shove them in your shoes and then you just ignore them day in and day out for years until they start bothering you. Once they start bothering you, then that's the only thing you can think about. So um, arthritis is a big thing in the feet because all of your body weight and all your activities um, are running through your feet. And those joints can take four, six, eight times um your normal body weight through there depending on your activities right. so arthritis is a big one and if the so to speak if your feet are bothering you the wheels fall off the wagon yeah you can't do anything else um so that's a big one sports injuries that um either were neglected in the first place or were more significant and not getting better with conservative care certainly is big uh, ligaments and tendons um Ankle is one of the most common injured joints, and there's a whole litany of things that can go on in there um, between um, scar tissue, uh, synovitis, which is thickening of the of the um, lining of the joint capsule, and can get pinched and cause impingement, which, um, makes motion painful. You can get injuries to the cartilage. And if those aren't addressed, they turn into arthritis and there's not really good solutions for arthritis in the ankle, um, in terms of restoration of your function a lot of times. So those are, those are kind of big ones. And then lumps and bumps. And I take you back to my, um, anecdote about that young girl who luckily didn't turn into a tragedy, um, They're not always benign, lumps and bumps. So having those things looked at, and uh, my last plug would be, um, it seems strange, but you'd be surprised how many uh, melanomas and cancerous type things are um, actually on the feet, even though most people aren't sunbathing their feet and and whatnot. But there certainly is a lot of uh, skin surface area down there, and um, a lot of times, Dark spots aren't always noticed because they're in a weird spot that you're not looking at. So I think that's kind of the, the, the big ones there. So,
1: Robin, Robin, can I, can I bring you back to what yeah. uh, Ryan just talked about? Definitely. So the, the ankle synovitis and capsulitis and impingement where the, the lining of the joint can fold right. in, uh, a lot of those things don't get diagnosed because they don't look like anything on an X-ray and if you're if you're doing your full workup you'll realize that there is something going on and the mm. patient is not just complaining about something there's something real happening and if if you do something about it early mm. you can prevent or delay those really bad arthritic changes from happening before somebody needs uh, an ankle fusion so treating those aggressively and treating them early is i think a good thing
0: i i can't express enough to the audience how important it is to seek the right treatment. Your feet carry everything. They are your, they are your support for your whole body. And if you don't, as my mother-in-law always said, because my husband had these really big feet and she was always, he was always teased. And he said, don't worry, Richard, you have a good understanding. And I think that's so true. And I use that all the time because you do, you have a good understanding. And if you don't have a good understanding, the rest of your body is off center, right? correct. So I am going to, I want to kind of close with both of you. So I'm going to close with you, Dr. Donegan, first. I want to make sure people know how to get you. So we do have a new program put together called the Foot and Ankle Program at St. Mary's. Um, all of the physicians are attached to this. Um, Dr. Stephen Lazaroff, Dr. Ryan Donegan, who are joining me tonight. Also, Dr. Kowal Gwyn and Dr. Chelsea Viola, who are with Veil Podiatry out in Oxford. If you go on our website trinityhealthofne.org you will be able to click on their pictures and also get to their websites but I want to give them individually tonight too so Dr. Ryan Donegan is at 1389 West Main Street at Suite 222 Tower 2 Um, he's actually right across from our from our endocrinologist right near them and close
2: to the surgery center
0: too and close to the surgery center right Naugatuck Valley Surgery Center thank you for the plug doc and (laughs) the uh, website is drarena.com it's
2: actually advancedpodiatric.com
0: oh so he changed it because it still comes up drarena.com he still
2: has that one but the um, advancedpodiatric.com Okay, so
0: advancedpodiatric.com and the phone number is 2037 757 9200. Again, 203 757 9200. And Dr. Lazaroff, I'm going to give yours and then I want you to do a quick closing for me. Sure. Okay. So Dr. Lazaroff is at Dr. Stephen Lazaroff, Performance Foot and Ankle Specialist. Their website is performancefas.com. That's performancefas.com. And they are at 714 Chase Parkway. The phone number is 203-757-0489. All right, Doc, in
1: closing... Robin, Robin, the phone number is 203-755. Oh,
0: 755. I read it wrong. 203. Look at that. I'm tired. 203, 203 seven, three, th- seven, five, oh, five, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Eight, that's nine. me. I'm reading. <laughs> I'm going with Johnny. Our number here at the studio, 757. 203. Otherwise
1: you're going to get my fax machine. Oh,
0: my gosh. 203-755-0489. 203-755-0489. <laughs> five, 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 okay. In closing, what would you like to say, doctor?
1: I'm excited to bring podiatry to a new level with Dr. Donegan, uh, Dr. Uh, Nguyen, and Dr. Viola. Uh, we're going to be very excited and eager to treat all of your patients and the Waterbury community. Um, and we're looking to, to collaborate and make everybody uh, in top shape for their, their feet and ankles.
0: Awesome. Docs, I can't thank you enough for joining me. It's been an honor to have you on the show, um, and um, it's an honor for me to work with you really closely. So thank you for
2: joining me tonight. Thank you for well, having hopefully us. Hopefully, everybody needs to know how much work that you put in Um Thank helping you doc. make it all happen so it, it's it's not a notice on our part and we really Aww. appreciate it Robin, so thank, thank you thank you Very
0: I, true. oh doc thank you i i I really respect that and and I'm honored that you guys um choose me as one of your colleagues so thank you have a great night
1: you, you too well. thank, thank you, you again
0: bye. Yep. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. I hope you enjoyed our program. It's just just a snippet of some of the great, amazing doctors we have here in the Greater Waterbury area that are partnering with St. Mary's Hospital. So enjoy yourself. If you're a weekend warrior and you have a foot or ankle injury, please definitely visit one of our physicians. Um, if something ha- occurs on the weekend, you can go to one of our urgent care centers in the Greater Waterbury area, and one of the docs will be on call to help you. So have a great night. Robin Sills, St. Mary's Hospital, Trinity Health of of New England. Stay well.